If you have your Bible tonight, go ahead and open it up to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And as we get started tonight, I must make a confession to you that studying through these messages here in 1 Corinthians 13 about love, the Lord has really been piercing my own heart, convicting me desire to see love more and more in my own heart and in my own life, just wanting to see it increase and how we need that for our life, we need that always for our church, is that we're just growing in love, in love with Christ, in love with His Word, in love with one another. And again, as our focus tonight here in this passage in 1 Corinthians 13, but again, just to set it up for you just for a moment, before we get to verse 4 where we're going to be looking at love is kindness. If you recall, Paul at the end of chapter 12 is addressing the subject of spiritual gifts. He's been addressing that subject throughout all of chapter 12. And as he comes to the conclusion of that, He reminds them and says, let me show you still a more excellent way. That is, he says there at the end of chapter 12, earnestly desire the greater gifts. But yet, let me show you the more excellent way. And what he's doing here in chapter 13 is beginning to show them what is that more excellent way. And that more excellent way is that if love is front and center in their use of the spiritual gifts that they're so earnestly desiring and earnestly using in the body of Christ. And if you recall last time together, when we looked at those first two or three verses in chapter 13, that he's setting that up by giving the most extreme hypothetical situations there, involving first the speaking gifts, and then involving second the serving gifts. Not that Paul or anyone else would be able to do what it is he brings up there in those first three verses. No one's going to have all the tongues of men, all the tongues of mankind. No one's going to have the tongues of angels that Paul is speaking about there. He's just being hypothetical and saying, look, even if someone did have all of these things and yet they spoke and they didn't have love, it still wouldn't be the more excellent way. Even if they had the gift of prophecy whereby they knew all the mysteries all of God's revelation and they had all knowledge and all wisdom and they had all faith that goes with that as they proclaimed that prophecy and revelation from God. If they didn't still have love, that still would be useless in that sense or it wouldn't be the most excellent way. And then he moved into the serving if we give even if we give all of our possessions and we give of our body and our life, but yet we don't really have love, it doesn't profit what it really should profit. Then he moves into the more excellent way, and that is through love. And if you recall last time there in verse 4, we looked at the first aspect of love. And if you also remember, we talked about in verse beginning there in verse 4. Let's just follow along with me as I read this. Love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. 
It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And in the very last part of verse, first part of verse 8, love never fails. And when you read through that, what I want you to see is he's speaking about love as actions, either things we do or things that we don't do. And he starts it off on a positive note of love is patient. And really, beloved, you can put the first two together. Love is patient and love is kind. Love is patient in that what that says is I will take what you give me. Even though at times I may be offended and I may be hurt, he's saying love will be patient in that it will take even that offense because you have a love for that person. But now, this evening, we're going to focus in on the other aspect, the, the other side of the coin in that not just what you will take from someone, but in kindness. Now he's speaking about what you will give to others, even though they may not deserve it. Acts of kindness. I will give you what, whether you deserve it or not. Love is kind. Let's look at, think about this idea of kindness tonight. The word itself speaks of being useful. Maybe a, really a good word for it is gracious. Love is gracious. It is something that we know from over in the book of Galatians and Galatians chapter 5 that this idea of kindness is actually a fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. That's what the Spirit of God produces in our life. It produces this kindness. It produce, produces words and acts of grace toward other people, even whether they um, deserve it or not. It's just something that comes out of us towards one another. Let's think about it as we did last week together. If you recall, when we looked at patience, we looked at patience from different angles. And tonight, let's look at some of those same angles that we looked at patience, but let's look at it in regards to kindness. And let's start off with God's kindness toward mankind. And when you're wanting to understand what kindness is, look to God. Because God is loving kindness. And a good place to look is over and again in the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 2. Go over there for a moment. In Romans chapter 2. And in verse 4, this is what we looked at even last week when we were speaking about the patience of God. In Romans chapter 2 and verse 4. He says, or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness? Notice that it's the riches, the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. What's, what's Paul saying there? He's saying that in the kindness of God, God is giving man more of an opportunity to repent of his sins and put his faith in Christ. 
But if man continues to remain stubborn, as he says there in verse 5, he's going to be taking that kindness of God and actually storing up wrath for himself in the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Because of God's kindness, God is being gracious towards man. I mean, God would be absolutely just if at this very moment he decided to strike all of mankind dead because all of mankind are sinners who have rebelled against God. But God is gracious and in that graciousness of kindness, of the patience and the tolerance there of God, God is doing that so that man will turn from his sins and stop storing up the wrath that is there and go and hide under the the cross of Christ knowing that Jesus Jesus took the wrath of God upon himself so that those who put their faith in him, he's taken that wrath away for them. This is what he's saying, that God's kindness toward mankind. Brother, we see God's kindness towards mankind in just the patience and tolerance that he has there. But beloved, you see God's kindness towards us in the gospel. Turn, if you will, for a moment over to Titus chapter 3. Go over to Titus chapter 3. And I want you to see God's kindness in the gospel in three different ways. You see, you'll see it here in Titus 3 in the incarnation of Christ. In the incarnation of Christ, his appearing. Go to Titus 3. Look with me beginning in verse 4. But when the kindness of God our Savior... And his love for mankind appeared. Speaking about the incarnation of Christ. That in the kindness of God, Jesus came and he took on flesh. He was willing to become a part of mankind so that he could be the savior of the world, the savior of man, so that anyone and everyone who turns from their sins and puts their faith in him, they have salvation. And this is going to be solely on his mercy and grace because he goes on to say in verse 5, he saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior so that being justified by his grace we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So as you even think about This Christmas season, you think about the coming of Christ, uh, you ought to see in the coming of Christ, in the incarnation of Christ, you ought to see the kindness of God there. God has been kind to man. But not just in the incarnation, but also, beloved, in the invitation of the gospel. In the invitation of the gospel, it is an expression of the kindness of God. See, how do you say that? Well, go over to the Gospel of Matthew for just a moment and go to Matthew chapter 11. Go to Matthew chapter 11. And in Matthew 11, it's where Jesus is, in verse 28, is calling for the folks that are gathered there to come to him In Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28, he says, Come to me, 
all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is, and that word therefore easy is the same word that we're looking at in 1 Corinthians 13 for kindness. My yoke is kind. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. In this invitation, he's saying, come. If you're wore down about your sins, come and enjoy the kindness of God that will give you rest to your soul, that will give you that rest and that peace that you're looking for and you're striving for. and You're you're, you're looking at all the different things in the world, trying to somehow settle and bring that emptiness to fullness that's in your life you're wanting peace with God you wanting some kind of rest for your soul and he's saying just come to me if you come to me you're going to taste my yoke is kind my burden is light but also beloved not just in the incarnation not just in the invitation but I would also say it's in the illumination from the gospel if you look over in 1 Peter chapter 2, it's an interesting statement. If you know Christ, if you have come to Christ to learn from Christ, to love Christ, to lean upon Christ, then you've tasted the kindness of the Lord. Look in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. You see, again, we understand if you have come to Christ and you truly been born again, then you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Because you have come to know of that grace and that kindness that appeared in the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have come to know and understand that invitation that included that his yoke is easy and kind and his burden is is a light in the sense that it is something that gives rest to your soul. If you know Christ and you've been born again, as he's speaking about here by the word of God, then you have enjoyed the taste and the experience of the kindness of God God's kindness and when we think about God's kindness towards mankind that we looked at a moment ago in Romans 2 when we think about God's kindness in the gospel and Jesus becoming a man Jesus going to the cross Jesus shedding his blood the resurrection of Christ and the invitation that God gives to man to come to him and this illumination that we see here and the tasting of the kindness of the Lord this is all of grace this is all of grace what God is doing for man these are all acts of kindness Tell you another thing to think about when you think about God's kindness. You ought to think about God's kindness even towards Israel. Go over to Psalm 106 for a moment. Go to Psalm 106. Because this is something that we can learn for ourselves.
where it starts off with praise for the Lord and giving thanks. But then in verse 6, it changes. And it says, we have sinned like our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We have behaved wickedly. How is it they have committed iniquity and behaved like their fathers? Verse 7, our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember your abundant kindnesses. Notice that. You've been so abundant in your kindness towards them. You've been kind towards them in multiple ways. Even from the standpoint of what it says, but rebelled there by the sea and at the Red Sea. Think about the kindness God had shown Israel. God had called her to be his chosen nation to the world. It is God who had given them the covenants. It is God who had given them the law. It is God who had revealed himself to them like he had revealed himself to no other people and no other nation and all the kindnesses of how he had delivered them out of Egypt and how he had walked with them and talked with them and guided them every step of the way. And yet, as he says here, they did not remember any of these things. God's kindness towards them Beloved, but before we're too hard on Israel, we need to look at ourselves and make sure we don't forget the kindness God's shown us. Go over, if you will, for a moment to Romans chapter 11. Go to Romans chapter 11. And in Romans 11... Paul is dealing here with the subject of Israel. When he refers to his people, this is his people Israel. And he starts it off by saying, God has not rejected his people, has he? May it never be. He he hasn't done that. Paul says, because look, I'm an Israelite. God saved me. So he hasn't rejected us. But he goes on to talk about that because of their rejection of God, their transgression, it has led and opened up the door even more for the salvation of the Gentiles, and that's us. And he goes on to say this, how they were the, the branches of this tree and of this root, and that God had broke them off, and that now God is grafting us in. That's why he goes on to say, Verse 19, you will say then, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. Quite right. They were broken off for their unbelief, but you stand by your faith. Do not be conceited, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Notice what he says in verse 22. Behold then the kindness and the severity of God. To those who fail, severity, but to you, God's kindness. If you continue in his kindness, otherwise you also will be cut off. The kindness of God, of God grafting us in. But he grafts us in by our faith, that is by us putting faith in Christ. That's why Israel failed. That's why she was broken off at this time of what Paul's talking about. Because 
she had failed to believe. She had failed to see that her salvation was solely by grace. And it was solely by grace through faith in Christ. She had failed to understand that the, the righteousness of God. So she was trying to establish her own righteousness before God. And so she was zealous for God. They were falling short of God. And here it is. We now, the Gentiles, are getting to hear this gospel and to see how God is bringing us in the fold. And he's saying what kindness God has shown us. And don't become conceited about that. But remember all of the kindness God has shown us and bringing us into his people. Beloved, we have much to be thankful for as we think about the abundant kindness God has shown us. I'm sure we could... We should be able to stand here and take hours to testify to the kindness of God. But I want us to kind of close this out a little bit tonight by looking at some acts of kindness that we see in the Bible. We're thinking about love is kind. And again, that, that kindness can display itself in our words towards one another, words of kindness, but acts of kindness, deeds of kindness towards others. And we'll see an example of this if you turn with me for a moment. Back in the Old Testament, turn to the book of Ruth. Turn to Ruth chapter 2. Ruth chapter 2. In Ruth chapter 2, we have Naomi and Ruth. Ruth is the daughter-in-law of Naomi. They have come back into the homeland of Naomi. Ruth is a foreigner. But Ruth had been married to one of Naomi's sons. But while they were living in the foreign land where Ruth was, which is somewhere where Naomi shouldn't have been living, but she was living there with her husband. Her husband died. Her two sons died. And the two daughter-in-laws, one of them stayed there And Ruth came back with Naomi because Ruth came to put true saving faith in the one true and living God, the God of Israel, that that was the God of Naomi. And so they're now back in the homeland of Naomi. And when they're there, they're now going to have to do something to survive. Or they're going to starve to death. And so Ruth goes out to glean in the fields. And as she goes out... She's able by the providence of God to find the field of a man by the name of Boaz. And Boaz is not just any man. Boaz is actually a kinsman of Naomi. And God is the one orchestrating this event. And whenever Ruth goes out, and again, this is, she she knows this is nothing but an act of kindness when when. When Naomi knows this when Ruth comes back, because Ruth again is a foreigner. And she's trying to go out and basically to get the scraps, just get whatever she can out of some fields. And when she comes back and begins to tell all of what God had done, all of what she was able to do, and she asks in verse 19. Where did you glean today and where did you work? 
May he who took notice of you be blessed. And so she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The name of the man with whom I work today is Boaz. And notice how Naomi responds. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed of the Lord who has not withdrawn his kindness. His kindness to the living and to the dead. That is, he was doing that for us, but he was also doing that in honor and respect of Naomi's husband, of those who had already passed away. Notice she says this act of kindness. He didn't withdraw his kindness to the living, to the dead. This man is our relative. He's one of our closest relatives. Naomi's even understanding here the kindness of God. It wasn't just the kindness of Boaz. Yes, she's highlighting here the kindness of Boaz in that he allowed her to enjoy the gleaning that was there. But when she makes reference that this man is one of our relatives and not only that, he's one of our closest relatives. She knows, she's beginning to understand this is the kindness of God that is providentially working this out for their lives and working this out for Ruth. Of course, we know that if you've read through the story, you know the end of the story that Ruth and Boaz are married. And it's actually through here that they'll have, through this line that you'll have David, who's to be the king, and obviously the ultimate descendant of David, the Lord Jesus Christ. But you see, Naomi was quick to acknowledge the kindness of Boaz. But also, I think even in referring to him being the closest relative, acknowledging the kindness of God, this act of kindness God was displaying towards them. And that's what love does. It, it expresses itself. It acknowledges the kindness that is there. Boaz showed his kindness towards Ruth. I mean, if you go back and read through the story, he didn't just say, just let her pick something. He said, make it as easy as possible for her. I mean, you help her out, and you don't, not one of you touch her, not one of you do anything to her, don't stop her, you let her eat with you, you let her glean with you, you let her join you. He is showing her kindness all the way through it. And beloved, this is the kindness that we're speaking about, what love is. Another act of kindness to just consider that was very intentional It's the kindness of David toward a young man by the name of Mephibosheth. I may not say that name again because I don't know if I'll get it right the second time. But he's the son of Jonathan. Turn over to 2 Samuel. Just go a few couple of books over here. 2 Samuel chapter 9. And notice David. David, again. We, if you know the story of David and Jonathan, you know that David loved Jonathan. He loved him like a brother. And what we find here in chapter 9, that out of this love, remember, love is kind. He can't show it directly towards Jonathan. But in chapter 9, verse 1, 2 Samuel, he says, Is there yet anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Is there anyone left? I, I just want to show kindness. I, I love this family. I love Jonathan. And I, I just, for his sake, I just want to show kindness towards someone. And they bring to his attention that there is someone 
There's still a son of Jonathan, it says there in verse 3, who was a crippled in both feet. So David sent and brought him from the house where he was staying. Mephibosheth there in verse 6, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and prostrated himself. And David said, Mephibosheth, he said, here is your servant. He said, don't fear, for I will surely show kindness to you for the sake of your father Jonathan. And will restore to you all the land of your grandfather Saul. And you shall eat at my table regularly. And when you get to the close of the chapter, that's what happens. Verse 13, so Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate at the king's table regularly. Though he was lame in both feet. And here is just a practical example of love manifesting itself in kindness. David, out of his love for Jonathan and just the the family of Saul, just looking for ways that he could show acts of kindness. It's not that, that Mephibosheth deserved it more than anyone else. It's just a love that he had for this family. And this is what we're speaking about here in the body of Christ, that we have this love for one another that manifests itself in a kindness that says, I'm going to intentionally look for ways to show you kindness, to do something, not not that you deserve it, not that you've earned it. I'm just going to do it out of the goodness and the love in my heart for you. I'm going to show you kindness. Or on the other side, like we saw with Naomi, when you see someone like Boaz, someone in the body of Christ, doing things that you're going to acknowledge that this is kindness coming your way and acknowledging the kindness of God even in that. Let me give you an example, one other example of kindness. Turn over to the Gospel of Luke, to Luke chapter 6. To Luke chapter 6. Jesus here speaking. And he's going to give us an example of God and his kindness. In verse 35 of Luke 6, he says, But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. For he himself is kind to those who love him. Well, of course he is. But he said, no, for he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. This is the common grace of God. The common grace of God that that mankind enjoys. This is an act of kindness on God's part. He is kind to the most ungrateful and evil person that there could be. He's kind to them in that he lets them breathe. He lets them have life. You think about it. Even people today that are unbelieving and will not repent and will not come to Christ. Do you know God still shows them kindness? He shows them kindness not just by allowing them to live. But look, most of those people get still to enjoy being married and having children and having family and having all kinds of other blessings. Even sometimes more things than what we may even have as believers. But God is still kind towards them. A common grace that they get to enjoy. This is again an example for us. I mean, notice this is in the context of Jesus saying, love your enemies. 
do good, lend, expect nothing in return. So see, this act of kindness is not conditioned saying, I will do this, expecting something to come back. I mean, when God shows this kindness towards the ungrateful in the evil man, he knows that naturally nothing's coming back. There's going to be no acknowledgement of that from him. That's what's amazing to think about the kindness of God because the unbeliever walks through life thinking he deserves it. Thinking I earned it. I earn, I deserve to have the kind of life that I have. I earn, I deserve to have all the blessings that I have. Not knowing he doesn't deserve any of it. But God is kind. But this is this, I just want us to think about this tonight. Think about Love is patient and love is kind. So let me wrap it up like this. Has God's kindness led you to repentance and faith? Repentance and faith in Christ? Do you see where God has been kind to you? And has that kindness broken you knowing you don't deserve it? Are you willing to acknowledge your sinfulness? Acknowledge that you have been ungrateful? Acknowledge that you are evil down to the very core of who you are in your heart? But yet God in his kindness and in his mercy and the appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ has demonstrated his kindness in coming to take on flesh and going to the cross and dying on that cross for our sins. Are you willing to acknowledge that? Has God's kindness led you to true saving faith? If not, that's what needs to happen for you tonight. You need to put your faith in Christ. You need to ask God to forgive you for being ungrateful. Ungrateful for his kindness. And seek him. And you know what? In the kindness of God, as Jesus says, come to me. And everybody who comes to Christ, humbly, to take his yoke, which is kind, he receives them. It doesn't matter how ungrateful someone's been. It doesn't matter how many years they've been ungrateful and unthankful to God. If they come on his terms, he forgives them and he welcomes them. He embraces them. But secondly, let me ask you this. Are you like Naomi? Let's learn from Naomi. Are you giving thanks to God regularly for the abundant kindnesses that you see in your life? Or can we be as guilty as Israel was? Where we tend to forget. Or thirdly, are you living as David did? Are you looking for those opportunities to show kindness, whether it's your family, your friends, your church family? Show them kindness through your words, through your actions. And to do it whether they deserve it or not. Are you willing to, to do as Jesus said? And this is a way of loving your enemies. Love your enemies. What is love? Love is kind. Love will be kindness. Definitely love in the body of Christ. Of words and acts of kindness. Just think about this for a moment. Just think about love and unity in the body of Christ. 
if the body of Christ is committed to walking by the Spirit in such a way that they're cultivating patience and kindness towards one another. Beloved, that is, the outside world will look at that and say, what's going on? What, this, because this is not natural. Remember, this is the fruit of the Spirit. This is not natural. This kind of love is not natural. This kind of patience is not natural. This kind of kindness is not natural. It's supernatural. It's the Spirit of God. And let them see that. And God used that even to draw them to himself. I want to ask you to bow your heads in prayer for a moment.